everybody who is in a relationship or dating anybody is like, is my partner a fucking Gemini right now? I think we should have like a disclaimer come up, be like, sorry yeah. to the Geminis. Yeah, 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 yeah. Liquid Courage podcast does not represent these views. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do not endorse anything said about Geminis. <laughs> Welcome to Liquid Courage, the podcast where I, Amanda Pereira, sit down with a fellow artist that I admire and ask them the questions I've never had the guts to ask them before. Sounds scary? Yeah, it really is. So I use a little liquid courage in the form of my guest's favorite drink. We cheers, chat, and connect as I attempt to soak up all the wisdom they have to offer. Today I sit down with Rochelle Lozon and we down some White Claws. Rochelle is a multifaceted artist originally from London, Ontario, who is now based in Toronto. Like many stand-up comedians, she began in a dingy basement with no real audience, but was immediately hooked. (laughs) For the next nine years, Rochelle obsessively made stand-up comedy her life's pursuit, performing nightly and traveling throughout Canada and the U.S. Rochelle has performed at comedy festivals including Just for Laughs Toronto, the Boston Comedy Festival, North by Northeast, the Blue Whale Comedy Festival, and the Odd Block Festival. Last year, her stand-up was featured on Laugh After Dark Live in Las Vegas, which is available to watch on Tubi. And her debut comedy album, Rochelle Rochelle, just premiered on all streaming platforms earlier this month. As an actor, Rochelle made her feature film debut in the Butler Brothers' newest dark comedy, Unfriending, which won Best International Feature Film at the 2023 International Cobb Film Festival. So Rochelle is a comedian, an actor, and someone I admire immensely. Okay, hi Rochelle, officially. Hi. Hi. Yes, I was just saying I have frizzy as fuck hair right now. I went to an 80s murder mystery party last night, so I tried to like crimp my hair and like tease and then put in a big side thing, and I just like shoved it in a bun and took it out like 15 minutes ago, and I was like, wow. It looks great. (laughs) I'm not seeing the frizz on my end. Yeah. Oh my God. Thank you to all the recording equipment. Thank you to my webcam. I want to thank all those things. Well, you are quite like a hair icon in my opinion in the, in the, I was going to say the comedy community, but I'm like, no, not just comedy. You always have like the most perfect bang game going on ever. Thank you. You know what? I actually just cut them like 20 minutes ago with my little dollar store scissors. (laughs) (laughs) I I always, (laughs) it's so weird. Every time I trim my bangs, it's always like right before something that like, if I screw up, it would be bad. Like, I just, like, live yeah, on the yeah, edge. Yeah. Like, for some reason, anytime I'm like, yeah. oh, crap, I need to cut my bangs. I'm like, oh, it's right before I'm, like, going to do film a commercial. And I'm like, let's just, like. <laughs> You're like, let's live on the edge. Let's be risky little bangs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. And you cut them yourself. Wow. Like, yeah. I don't know. Is that a thing among the bang community? Because that is, like, a very. Yeah. I'd be like, God damn, cutting it on your own. That is risky. You got to. Honestly, in my opinion, I'm sure, like, if you're rich or whatever, like, if Beyonce has bangs, yeah. I'm sure she's not cutting them herself. But, uh, no, I'd be, mm-hmm. I'd be at the sal- I'd live at the salon. I would literally have to, like, be there all the time. So. Yeah. In this economy? Yeah. 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 Nowadays, they're tar- what are they charging for a bang trim? Like, it's just, you got to. I go, like, every six months. Get them to kind of even it out, fix whatever the hell mm-hmm. I've been doing for the last six months, and then just kind of <laughs> <laughs> use that yeah. as a guide. Okay. 
But I feel such shame when I go to my hairdresser and like she can tell that I've cut something myself or that I've like dyed something myself or oh, gone yeah. somewhere else. God forbid. I feel like whether I tell her or not, she can see it and she's not. Oh, nothing gets past them. They're like, did you have a cigarette the yeah. last three days? They're like, what's going on here? Like, <laughs> they know. yeah, yeah. They're, they're like, like, you are ovulating. Like they know. <laughs> They know. And it's, I, I always come, and I always like feel like I need to justify. And yeah, I, I'm like at the end of the day, sometimes it's like, yeah, I love coming to you and you were the expert. And sometimes I can't afford you or sometimes I can't get in and I've waited too long. Yeah. And so I got my haircut somewhere else and now I'm back. Yeah. Like tail between my legs. I come in, I'm like, I know I look like Motley Crue right now, but that's why I'm here. (laughs) So don't judge me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's my problem and you will need to find a solution. And thank you so much for that. Yes. Okay. So today we are drinking White Claw and Rochelle, what, um, what flavor did you pick? Of course I got my black cherry. Mmm. Yum. Yum. I love black cherry. Yeah. Yes. What are, what do you got? Okay. So I have never had, I almost grabbed that one. I actually was at LCBO trying to get into your mind <laughs> from someone who we've never had a conversation before. I was like trying to pick what you would pick. And then I got overwhelmed and I picked one that I've never tried which is raspberry okay but that's so funny cherry. I saw the label and I was like I yeah. had the same sort of internal struggle when I was like <laughs> because I like black cherry I mean they're all good yeah you can't go wrong yeah. I always overthink it but I know black cherry is mm-hmm. my favorite but I was like should I get raspberry I was like what is raspberry it's like I'm like have I had it before I can't remember I was like should I get it so you were you were definitely on the right track like oh yeah Okay, great, 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 great. I jumped in then. Yeah, I jumped in on the on the on the wavelength when you were like, should I? And then I ducked out right before you chose the black cherry. But okay, well, I'm gonna crack this mostly because I'm like, oh, I want to start drinking it too. I'm gonna crack this. Do you want to try and crack at the same time? Oh my god, yeah. Should we do like a three, two, one? So cute. Yeah, let's do it. Are we gonna go on one or are we gonna go on the fourth beat? One. Love that. Okay, great. Three, two, Two, one. one. Oh, great. Oh, I didn't even hear yours. I feel like that means we no, did it right at the same time. Yeah, I hope so. We I started counting down so much earlier. Cheers. Cheers. But I feel like also I'll just sink it. Mm. Behind the curtain, everybody. I'm just going to make it the same anyway. And do the listeners know that it is 2 p.m. on a Sunday? <laughs> the like, listeners absolutely do not. The like, listeners I like are not coffee. aware that it's at 2 p.m. <laughs> I just finished my coffee and I still have an orange sitting on my desk as if like this is a good morning food. Yeah, it's a 2 p.m. It's a Sunday. You know, these are some of my favorites. Actually, one episode I was drinking like tequila at 10 a.m. just because of a time difference and all. Oh, my God. You know what? This is podcasting. But at 2 p.m. on a Sunday. Okay. Also, Rochelle, the raspberry is amazing. Is it good? I'm regretting it. I should have. I regret it. Trust my gut. I talked myself out of it, you know, and it would have been. Then we would have had the same one. It would have been like, wow, it would have been like, you know, like. I know. Or I should have chose black cherry. It can be a 50-50 problem. No, no. Okay, so let's dive into that. Are you good at trusting your gut instincts typically in your personal life? I am working on it. I would say I'm working on it as well because for somebody that has the strongest gut feelings ever, mm. you'd think that by now I would have sort of a better gauge where I always have this little stupid voice, this little stupid voice that's like, <laughs> you know, it's like you can't get rid of it. I would say in terms of relationships, I've actually mm. considerably gone better at going with the gut feelings. Um, now that I'm a lady mm-hmm. in my 30s, I am definitely trusting the gut in that regard a lot more than I have in the past. 
But I find that sometimes in like my, you know, maybe professional and personal life, I sometimes second guess myself too much. But yeah, we're working on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Working on it. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, I feel like it's exceptionally hard, maybe, and maybe I'm just too tunnel vision being in the arts and maybe this isn't the case but I feel like it's especially hard in the arts because or even in stand-up comedy specifically because you are talking about your life but then also second guessing but I'm like who knows your life better and your thoughts better and your POV on the world than you you know that best but then it's so easy to also second guess what jokes to tell what gig to take what to say no to I think it's hard when those like personal and professional lines are so blurred like they become so one Yeah. So starting out when you're like a little babe, I read that you like always wanted to be famous. Like that was the thing. Oh my God. Where is that? It might be. Where is that written? Oh, it's online. It's online. Where, where, and you, you shared it a couple, like I wanted like at one point, like a a Stratford actor or like a pop star or like, but as a kid, it was just like, I want to be famous. Like, what do you think about fame? What do you think was so like attractive to you as a kid about fame? Like what, what did you want from it? Do you think? This is such a like relevant topical question for me right now, because I've done a lot of Mm. sort of reckoning with my ideas around fame and what I want in probably the last like year. But I think Mm. as a child, it's, it's the accolades that you're after. It's the attention. It's the, you know, that love. And we don't have to get into why I was searching for that so much, but um, (laughs) we'll keep it light. Um, And, and then, you know, so I always, you know, just thought like, this is just what I'm supposed to do. Like, I just never wavered in any way that I wasn't Mm -hmm. meant to entertain in some capacity. And then like now that I'm almost 10 years in the industry and I'm like, I think I just like want it, like want money and like stability. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And for Mm -hmm. some reason I chose like the most stressful way of like trying to achieve that. And I will admit that I've kind of started to like look at stand up as more of like my passion and like my my life's pursuit versus mm-hmm. some sort of like one thing I'm trying to achieve, like be famous. That is no longer even really something I think about. I think at this point, mm-hmm. I'm like, I just want to like be able to not stress about money and do what I love to do and w- in whatever mm-hmm. capacity that looks like that's that's fine by me because you know celebrity culture in itself is just kind of like becoming less and less appealing to me in general like Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm losing respect for celebrities (laughs) it's like (laughs) why do I want to be put on that pedestal to be criticized like Mm -hmm. you know the pressure of like perfectionism not even perfectionism like moral perfectionism Mm -hmm. is very strong on celebrity culture now and I I find it interesting sometimes like if you're in a group and and they're like criticizing a celebrity like we all end up doing I find it interesting at the lack of acknowledgement by like all of us that we are a part of this problem like we're Mm -hmm. blaming we're blaming the celebrity so much about like oh and they said this and they did this and like oh well they're so privileged must be nice and I'm like, where did we all read this? Was it TMZ? Did you get it off social media? Like, mm-hmm. we're all a part of feeding this and this like hate for them and that they have to be perfect. And it's also like, we're also create, we're a part of creating this culture where they are set up to be these villains in a way. And the like lack of sort of any kind of accountability or like responsibility from people who are engaging in social media in that way. I don't know. Like I find that surprising. And like mm-hmm. you're also a part of this. Like you're buying the, pe- the Us Weekly magazine. You are criticizing that she looks fat on the runway and then you're blaming her for not being perfect. Like it's yeah. 
the picking apart, it's gross. I think fame also changed a lot. Like you and I are similar ages and what it meant to be famous was very different when we were a kid watching TV than now. Some mm -hmm. better and some worse. But I hope there is room for more nuance and being a human where you can say, like you're you're saying, be interviewed on a talk show, for example. And like, you're like, oh, shouldn't have said that. And it's not something that like defines you forever. You know, yeah, absolutely. I hope we're there soon. But yeah, what do you think like captivated you so much about stand up comedy? So like back in, in 2015, when you weren't doing stand up, but you like went to an open mic with a friend who I believe she was doing stand up at the time. And then, you like, know my whole life story. Holy crap. Uh, it's my job. That's what I should do here. If you're going to give it. me your time. A hundred percent. I should do my research. So like, what do you think it was when you went up and you did your first open mic and then you were kind of like hooked for, yeah, like almost a decade. What was it about stand up that captivated you so much? And you were like, I'm fucking in, I'm doing this. It's the attention. It I don't know how to say mm. it. Like, it really is just feeling like you're, I'm like, I'm eliciting a emotional response from somebody, like a very positive yeah. emotional response from somebody. And it feels like it is like this mutual exchange that we're both mm. winning. You know what I mean? Like, as long as I'm doing my job, wow, look at us both benefiting from this interaction. This is so great. This is like, <laughs> I could do this every day and then I basically did it is such a high I mean and I think too and again like not getting into like too much childhood stuff I mean like on both ends I'm saying like me too but I just mean I think every kid can relate to or every adult can relate to their kid self wanting like to be seen like as a kid being seen is like a survival thing if you are seen you're going to be taken care of and you can't take care of yourself at that age like it's a very primal human thing and so being on a stage where all these people are like paying attention to you and not just paying attention but like listening and engaging that is a hugely validating and powerful thing it can also be toxic and tumultuous of course but like yeah I get it there's a reason that they talk about like your first set your first good set and like the high of that almost yeah. being like the first high of a drug and trying to like chase that you know how how is your like comedy style change do you think like when you look back on when you first started out and you mm. were just like this is fucking amazing now to almost like a decade later how do you think your comedy style has changed you know it's funny it's like I feel like it's kind of coming full circle in a way like mm. when I started comedy I was never intent and in trying to be like a dirty comedian or like a comedian that shocks people or anything like that but the, the more I did it that just sort of like what I fell into where I was just like oh I love to like shock people in a way where they're like wow I did not think she was gonna say that <laughs> like just just like mm. and you know when I was a couple of years in I like really leaned into that and then got like kind of edgy it was like dark comedy and then really felt like I hit a wall where I was like oh I think I've like pushed the boundary as far as I think I'm willing to go so now I, I would like to have an opportunity to maybe be on Canadian television one day so maybe I gotta like <laughs> reel it in because you know the CBC yeah. doesn't want to hear morbid jokes about my dead mom like they just they don't you know like, <laughs> they're right, right, like, right 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 one day one like, day we're working towards it okay we like, will. One tell day. me about your trip to the yeah. dentist that's what they want but <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I, I think the last couple of years, like after the pandemic, I had like a reckoning. I'm like, I need to like be cleaner. I need to make an effort mm. to try and have a separate act that I can, you know, do for television. And I, I spent the last like couple years doing that and like not really enjoying myself and mm. feeling like I'm happy I do have like 
you know, a handful of like clean jokes that I can pull out when I need them. But Mm -hmm. I'm back on the dirty train. I am like, (laughs) oh my God. And now I feel like, I'm like, oh, this is just me. This is, I just got to talk about what comes naturally to me. And it can't, I can't be only thinking about, oh, how can I monetize these jokes? Or like, how can I be more accessible Mm -hmm. to Canadian television or the government or whoever books these things and I'm just like mm-hmm. I can't do that anymore so yeah I mean I don't, I don't know and it, I think it's always going to be changing and evolving but at mm-hmm. the end of the day it's always going to be like me and whatever is real yeah absolutely it's such a hard like game to play or like balance to I guess balance to find and like how much of the game to play and how much to just like do it for yourself and doing it for yourself I mean has to be in there obviously mm-hmm. but Like, I know you've shared, too, that, like, you lived in L.A. for a while and moved back kind of, like, during the pandemic because of the pandemic kind of mixed in there. But that you were like, why can't we why can't I be a comic who is here to entertain Canadians rather than using Canada as like a stepping stone where like you the U.S. is the goal. And so I understand in wanting to work in Canada and like make your content for Canadian audiences. I can Mm -hmm. understand the idea like, okay, well, I guess I need to play the Canadian game. Like we don't have we don't have as many options of like where paid comedy can live. And so in Canada, you are like, okay, well, who are the people who are going to pay me for it? I need to give them what they want. But then also finding like, I don't want to turn this into like a nine to five job, a job I don't want to be at. Like it needs to also be what I want. So I don't know. It it makes sense that it's like hard to find that balance in between because we don't have like an HBO equivalent, right? Where you can like go and just tell all the stories you want and every you know you're like okay what stories can I tell yeah on CBC or on certain specials so and that's and that's why I wanted to record my album that was kind of like yeah when I kind of was hitting that moment where I was like wait a second like it's been almost a decade and like nobody wants me on TV (laughs) so (laughs) I have to do this for myself like Mm -hmm. I have to there yeah you're right there is no like HBO and late night Canada network where we show, Mm -hmm. you know, the real comedy that's going on and like what people, Mm -hmm. Canadians want to hear. Like Canadians are Mm -hmm. dirty too. Canadians want a bunch of perverts. If you ask me, they want to (laughs) know. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you've toured Canada. Like, you know, you've toured around all over Canada. Like if anything, that's how you survive on the road is the dirty jokes. That's how, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like Mm -hmm. people want to escape and it's like, I hate to sound like I'm like, oh, clean comedy is for losers. Because that's not what I mean at all Mm. by any means. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, whatever comedy is that's true to you is what it should be. And that's kind of what I mean by that. Yeah. Yeah. No, and absolutely. Like, I think it's whatever comedy is authentic to you. And so I think you are a comedian who the stuff that is deemed like dirty or darker is the stuff that you're naturally drawn towards. And there mm-hmm. are so many people who want to listen to that, myself included. Mm-hmm. So like like you said before, it's like you, a lot of audiences want to hear what they don't feel they can maybe, what they're already thinking but can't quite say. And so there is such an audience for that. but and it's And so it's hard to navigate like the financial side of that if the market is like harder here yeah to do that anyway but yeah I totally hear you on that I think also like something that I've thought about in Canada that I am curious like how it is in the states too you shared this was like a couple years ago but it got me thinking like you shared how you feel like in comedy it's like it feels like it's uncool to believe in yourself like (laughs) propping yourself up and like saying like yeah I'm good like I'm I I might even be great god forbid I say you know like feels like it's uncool yeah and 
I think that in like the arts in general, in comedy for sure, as a woman, as a Canadian probably, I don't know, this pressure to be like humble and I'm putting air quotes because I don't actually think it's humble necessarily. Do you still feel that in comedy? Like I feel that even stronger. <laughs> I feel that stronger than when I said that last time. Why? Why do you think even stronger now? Like what feels like it's changed for the for the worse? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like and that was something that I didn't notice until I went to the States, until it was like, mm -hmm. you know, you're sitting around at the show talking to someone you're like, oh, hey, how are you going? How are you doing? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's so great. I just uh, just did Conan, been writing on this new show. And you're just like, wow, dude, awesome. Like, great for you. But like, <laughs> I feel like if you do that in Toronto, like if you're like, someone's like, how are you? And you're like, oh, my God, amazing. I just got this gig. I'm working on this CBC show. I just booked a commercial. People will be like, OK. And then you leave and it's like, wow like what else are you up to you know yeah. it's like how dare you celebrate yourself and it's like of course there's always there's nuance to it and there's a way to do it but I'm like I I want to hear about what you're doing like it's like it's important mm -hmm. there shouldn't be all these like secret it's like oh yeah I just got this amazing opportunity but like I don't want anyone to think weird so I'm going to keep it a secret now nobody knows about this opportunity it's just like I don't I think there's obviously a fine line between being confident and being you know cocky but I don't think that being humble is like being overly humble or feeling like you can't celebrate mm -hmm. yourself is doing anyone any favors where it's like Americans are just like, I'm the best, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I feel like <laughs> Canadians are like naturally self-deprecating. It's part of the reason why we're funnier, in my opinion. Sorry, mm -hmm. Americans. I think Canadians have, because we're just naturally like a little bit of the underdog, right? Like, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. we have that self-deprecation that just comes naturally to us. And then I think that spills over into life as well. And I just, mm -hmm. it was definitely just something that I noticed that I thought like, you know, it's like, I'll be talking to somebody that's just like killing it in their career. And they're just like, oh yeah, but like, it's stupid. Like, don't even like, and I'm like, stop. <gasps> like it's not stupid you know it's like I talk to people that are like booking like just for laughs and they're like yeah but it doesn't even like mean anything like what it used to mean anymore I'm like what are you talking about like it's huge stop it <laughs> like, yeah I know what is this like apology yeah. yeah exactly and like to feel like you can't share it it's like we have to apologize for any bit of success that we get yeah. in a strange way and like I totally hear you there's like part of it in my experience, there's the part of it that is if you say, oh, yeah, it's, I'm doing amazing. I just did this and this and this that then when you walk away, they're going to be like, she is an asshole. Mm -hmm. But then there's the other part that is like, I don't know if you've ever felt this, like you almost feel you worry that you're going to make the other person feel bad. Yes, it like is. If you're talking yeah. to another actor or something or comedian, I don't get that part. Like, mm -hmm. I, I get it, but I think it's like. We should not be, we are all told we're in competition with each other. Yeah. I get that like right now, if there's one spot and you and I are both auditioning for it and you get it, I didn't get that job, but there's going to be a job in the future that maybe I get that you don't. Like, I just yeah. don't think this competitive nature is helping anybody. I think it's a lie. I think it is a way to keep all of us down. I think mm -hmm. like uh, performers and artists and everybody coming together and collectively helping each other is like so much more powerful for everybody. But when you feel this competition between each other, it feels like if I get something, there's like this automatic thing like, oh, did I take it? Maybe I took it yeah. away from my friend. I'm about to tell them, tell well, them about like, this. And then it just robs the friend. You feel like you're, yes, you know, and it's like, there's a way, there's a way to do it with tact. Like I always just, it's like, just be like honest. Like 
if someone's like, oh, how was your day? And you just like had an amazing callback or you just booked a commercial. Like I remember I, I booked a commercial like, like, I even feel like lame saying this, like I booked a commercial, but I booked a commercial. Like, I'm like sensing that in my head right now. <laughs> yeah. Earlier this year. Oh. And it was like the day of, and I had a show and I like, everyone's like, Hey, like, how's it going? I'm like, I just booked a commercial. Like, I'll take it for it. You know? And I didn't <laughs> feel like anyone was like by any means taken aback because it was like, I felt like I was just genuinely like excited. I wanted to tell somebody, right. Like, and yeah. not that I've had this experience too much of that often at all. I don't find that people do this, but it's different than if someone's like, yeah, and then like, you know, I just booked this commercial and then, you know, I did this and then I did this. And then it's like, you know, there's a way of mm-hmm. sort of doing it in a way where it's like, I'm sharing this because like, we're both in the industry and we won't, if this is like good conversation and, you know, get to know what people are up to versus, oh, I'm telling you this because I want you to know that I, what I'm doing, yes. you know, it's like, yes. so it's hard to like gauge, you know, that it is a fine line, but it just, I wish people, especially comics would just you know, be okay to like, be excited about things, mm-hmm. you know, like you're doing yeah. a podcast. That's amazing. You're doing like, that's amazing. Be excited about that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I know. Celebrate yourself. So you mm-hmm. can, you, if you want to keep the self de- self deprecation in your personal life or in your comedy, great, but like, don't bring it in the business room. Yeah. Like, sell yourself, you know, yeah. celebrate. Cause I think there, I think often there's like the delusional part of it. What we're actually saying is what you said. We're actually saying, Oh my God, friend, Thanks for asking how I'm doing. I actually just booked a commercial and it's so, that's so fucking cool. I'm nervous. I'm excited. I feel great. Feeling a boost love, like confidence. But what we imagine we're saying is like, oh yeah, I booked a commercial and you're a piece of shit because you didn't. And it's like, it's so delusional. Like it's such a far jump from what we're actually saying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like none of that. You're communicating none of that. But the fear that you are is like holding you back from ever celebrating it. It's bullshit. Like it's all such a process and like a cyclical thing in gig working that like we have to celebrate or we're going to be on our deathbeds looking bad being like mm-hmm. do I get to celebrate it now like Absolutely. that's ridiculous we have to celebrate it like and I think it also comes down to like imposter syndrome as well like I think that mm. and like I, I'm saying all this stuff is if I'm not guilty of doing this stuff as well I do mm. but it's like you know with my album coming out and you know it's been kind of like exciting I had like a little article in the Toronto Guardian it's like people messaging me like congratulations that's so cool and in my head I'm like, it's not even a big deal. What are you talking? Like, it made me feel like, what? what? This isn't cool. This isn't like a big deal. Like, don't message me this. And then I was like, no, it is cool. It is cool, Rochelle. Yes, it is. Like, (laughs) yeah, you got featured in. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Both of those things are cool. And also the idea, like recording your own comedy album is not like, oh, I guess I'll do this tomorrow. Sure. Like this is it's a big deal. It's a big Mm -hmm. accomplishment. And when you're setting out on doing it, like at the time when you're deciding to do it, you're like, I'm going to dedicate all this time and resources and energy and heart and mind and all these things to it the idea that you'd be like oh and a part of that plan is that I'm never going to celebrate it and I'm actually going to tell myself it's not a big deal like why the fuck would you go about doing it then like you have to be able to celebrate it it's so fucking cool it's so cool thank you I know it's funny because it's like everyone was like oh you're gonna do an album release party and I was like no (laughs) I was like I don't know because it doesn't feel I don't know. Yeah. I'm so like contradicting myself in a million ways, but it's just, Mm. but it's, I'm saying it's a mentality that we should like collectively kind of move on from, but I'm still part of it, you know? Absolutely. And also you can have an album release party in three years if you want. People will still come. Belated, yeah. Whenever you're ready. Whenever you're ready, if you want to, you do it. So what is your like, just in talk, in, in us talking about like being afraid of like offending people or afraid of doing it wrong, like all these things. There's so many people that 
take their fear of something and it makes them like not even try. Like they're afraid of failing at comedy. So they like don't even try it in the first place or like afraid of recording their own album that it might suck or that it might fail. So they like don't even do it. What's your relationship with failure or like bombing on stage? Are you cool with it? Roll off your back. It torments you for the rest of your life. Like where are you at? I'm going to be honest and say that I'm, it, it torments me. I am still very yeah. much in the tormented state. Um, stage. Where yeah. stage, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hate it so much. But my I'm in hell. I am in purgatory. Yeah, like, just know, if you currently. see me in a bad set, like, it's, yeah. just, it's getting worse. The rest of the night's just getting worse from there. But um, I I do. Like, I'm, I take it personal. I do. It's like the number yeah. one rule. Don't, don't ever take it personal. And I'm like, I suck. But it's a necessary evil, you know, it's uh, definitely mm-hmm. part of it. But yeah, that fear of failure is like, I fight that every day. Like that's this album, you know, that's why it feels like such a big deal for me because it has been something mm-hmm. where I'm like, oh no, I ah, my jokes don't translate. Uh, no, it's not going to do well. Or just the thought of like, the scariest part of it for me was just the live show and putting the butts in the seats for the live show. Like that was so stressful mm-hmm. for me because I'm not a producer. Like I'm an entertainer. I don't want to be a producer. And like, I'm not somebody that has like all these networks of friends that can come out because uh, I've been spending the last nine years of my life obsessively doing stand up and ignoring <laughs> everything else in my life. So you know, yeah. it's like, so I, I just was always like, oh, I can't do it. Like, I just, I can't, I have to wait. And I just put it off. And then now that I've actually done it and I did kind of suppress that voice, that was still very much there. That voice was mm. there the whole time. It just feels like so rewarding and it's like, I'm just so happy that I did it. So I'm hoping that this is kind of jumpstarting me into not being so afraid to to do things and really put myself out there. Like, I think I've spent so much time waiting for somebody to notice me and being, mm-hmm. becoming upset and even a little bit like discouraged and bitter feeling like why does nobody notice what I'm doing? And I realized that I'm like, well, maybe I'm not like doing enough to you know, to put myself out there. Like maybe Mm -hmm. like it is something where I have to meet the industry halfway. Like I have to really, you know, take some risks and do that. And it it is like, I mean, as a financial risk. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm happy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know if this is really cheesy to say because I don't know you well at all, but I'm going to say it. There are so many times where I see a comedian perform or I see a human being being a human being being cool or awesome or kind or wonderful. And I think like, God damn, they're talented or like, wow, that person is so beautiful or that person just seems so charismatic and I never say it to them. And what I've started thinking was if I see someone killing a set and I'm like, they're fucking great and I don't know them and we will never talk. I think, oh, I wonder if someone said that about me at my last performance, but like, I'll never know. Like, I just think, like, I think it about so many people and not never tell them because I don't know them or I, it's just yeah. in the moment thinking. And maybe there are, like, a bunch of people who think I'm really cool that just have yeah. never told me. I bet <laughs> like, you. No, you do. Like, you, you got to go after your show, go run mm-hmm. to the women's washroom, sit in the yeah. bathroom stall, wait for everyone yeah. to come in, and that's when you really hear it. The amount of times... Oh. I'm sitting in the bathroom stall and it's like, she was my favorite. Oh my God, the girl with the bed. Yes. Or like, I'll hear somebody <laughs> talk about my friend being like, oh my God, who was that Steph? She was so good. And then I'm like, Steph, they love you. 
<laughs> oh my god, that is a great hack. And if they ever say anything bad, don't take it in the same way because they're in the bathroom and it was the first time after. Yeah. If you could hear all the positive things that somebody said about you after a set, and sometimes it's going to be a set that you feel like you like bombed. Mm-hmm. But you're somebody where years and years ago, I literally was trying to rack my brain the first time I ever learned of you or met you or saw you. I don't even know if we've met in real life ever. That's how long no, ago it must have been. been. Like longtime social media followers. Yes. It's like yes. I think so I don't know improv days, maybe like back at comedy bar sometime we It must have been chatted. Yeah. Yeah, cuz I know that I knew of you years and years ago and you were a person that like on social media or if I saw you doing stand up or whatever, I always thought like goddamn Rochelle is so funny and so like her just like comfortable being herself and such like a cool girl like that's why partly on here I'm like oh I want to yes I was like I want to bring her on and I'm nervous to talk to her because I think she is awesome and she's so herself and she's so like cool I want to figure out how to be that way and that's something I've never told you I have thought you were an awesome comedian over the years, many times, and I've never told you. So if you're ever you. like, goddamn, holding me up on right to now. the bombing. Well, wow. hey, listen, I know that I know you're in purgatory, and so maybe you could use some gas to Absolutely. like propel yourself out of there a little bit. <laughs> yeah. When you are, I feel like this is something that's like really helpful for me to hear other like artists talk about. So when you are okay, so you you go out and you do a set tonight. This isn't gonna happen. You go out and do a set. You bomb whatever that means to you and you go home and you're thinking of like the one joke that like sucked or the one thing you should have done differently. Like you just, you're in purgatory. You cannot Mm -hmm. get out of it. Mm -hmm. How do you get yourself out of that? That's it's really hard. Mm -hmm. Like how do you pivot out of it? How do you get out of just like just shitting on yourself mentally? Oh my gosh. I think it's a combination. I mean, number one, it means you just, you have to go do another show. You literally have to Mm -hmm. just like do another show. It's kind of like a cliche thing, but it's like, you know, there's always going to be another show, but it's the truth because if I bomb and then I have a good set, I, I'm not really thinking about the bomb anymore. Right. It is kind of, it kind of resets itself. But if you bomb and then you go, Oh, I'm canceling all my shows this week because I bombed. I'm, you know, then you're just going to be sitting in that, that sadness all, all week. Mm. Right. And then another thing is sleep. You just got to sleep it off weed you gotta smoke it off and (laughs) right that's a really important thing and then three you take your zoloft in the morning okay that's what you do (laughs) that is the combination all right that's the winning combination i love that i love that is there is there like a joke that you've always thought was really great a joke of yours that you're like or a joke or a bit where you're like this is fucking awesome but it just never hits like it's just like, is there one you can think of where you're like, this is my, this is a great one. The audiences are not getting this. Why are they not getting this? Oh my God. I'm like, so many things run through my head. Like, oh. <laughs> so many things. Usually if it's a joke where I'm like, oh, this is funny. Those are yeah. the ones that just right away. Um, <laughs> wow. Why do you think that is? I don't know. It's yeah. always the ones that I'm kind of like, is this funny? Should I? I'm like. Is this hack? I don't know. Have I heard this before? What is this? I'm like always second guessing myself and telling myself it's bad. And then I do it and it's like, oh no, that's that's the joke. Like that's the one. God, what was one? You know what? I actually sometimes when you're doing a show, if you're hosting or something, you, have, you can be more loosey goosey. And you know, mm-hmm. if somebody says another comic that says something that sparks something, sometimes I'll do an old joke if it sparks one. So one I've always done that it worked when I first 
did it and then it just does it, it never works but i do it every now and then but it's just <laughs> about this idea of like you know like when you're growing up it's like oh you like tits or you like ass right it's like that's like yeah man. that's like we were just reduced to like tits or ass it was just like totally if you're a dude you like one or the other you know yeah and it's like you know i feel like i would and butts are the big thing right now right butts are the mm-hmm. big thing but for me it's I think boobs are way better. I have to say that. And as somebody that has no boobs, I think boobs are way better because boobs are like butts. It's like the same thing, but tits aren't hiding an asshole. You know, like the end of the day. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, and people are like lukewarm to it. They're just like not into. Yeah. I I think think that's a great observation. I think it's just like a little too, like maybe a little too like, okay, Rochelle, like, I don't know. (laughs) Like kind of a groan maybe I guess sometimes. But that's one of the, like, I like those stupid ones. And I'm just like, it's so stupid. And then you you imagine tits with an asshole. And you just, you can't, like, yeah. you can't think. <laughs> yeah. I love the idea of a comedian having a joke that audiences don't like. And not because it, like, makes them feel bad. Because they don't find it funny. But the comedian is like, no, I believe in this so hard that I will be doing this in every set till the day I die. And I don't care yeah. that it gets no laughs and it just becomes the thing. So oh, doubling down can that. sometimes be like, mm. that's the joke. Because sometimes is that you're just doubling down, right? Or you're just, yeah. oh, you don't like this? Well, let me just go yeah. further. And then, <laughs> and then yeah. that becomes the new bit, right? It's like, that's my favorite yeah. is like, when you tell a joke that bombs, but then it's like, but because they already like you, you just have to say one little icebreaker. And then it's like, ah! And then you have them back again. Like, it's just like, yeah, that's oh. funny because it's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm just a human up here. Like, I think stupid. Like, yeah, I just told a fart joke and nobody liked it. And it's like, <laughs> we can laugh at my misfortune, you know, like that's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that we were all collectively here to witness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I love like that relationship with the audience and like how you can find things during live comedy. Like, oh, okay. Like, it's so, it's so fun whether you're performing or sitting in the audience and like every audience is a little different even if it's like a com even if you're performing at comedy bar every friday each audience is a little different so some audiences you know it's fun to find out like oh okay they like this kind of stuff or oh they are not Mm -hmm. into that kind of stuff all right let's see how this set goes because it's all that stuff so like you need to be a little flexible there needs to be like a little bit of flexibility where it's like not and i'm not saying you need to have like two acts where you could switch it up but it's like Mm -hmm. you know like, don't ignore the elephants in the room. And it's like, okay, yeah, you guys are not into the dirty stuff. All right. <laughs> it's like, let's pivot. Let's. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's so great. Well, and like in your comedy, you'll often share stories of your life. And some of those stories include the people in your life, like your family or people that you're dating or friends. This is something as, so I'm also a writer. And like, this is something that I struggle with a lot is that everyone's like level of privacy or what they'd want to share is different. So like I might want to share a story, but maybe, and it's about me and a friend and maybe that friend or my partner or whatever is like, I would rather you not share that story. And it's hard to know. Sometimes it can be complicated. Like whose story is it to tell? Mm -hmm. So like, okay. So how do you navigate what stories you feel okay with telling versus which ones you keep private for the sake of somebody else? Not even you. Like, do you have conversations with people in your life about sharing certain stories? I mean, for the most part, nothing is too specific, like at all. Mm -hmm. There was like a joke I did early on about my friends that were like going and being whores in Thailand somewhere. I don't know. And I used to make a joke about that. And I'd be like, all right, guys, I'm calling you a whores in my act. But (laughs) your name's not in there. Nobody knows. Like nobody knows. 
And I'm like, and I'm like, it just is inspired on you. It's not actually you. And like, they don't care. Most people are yeah. actually love being in the act. Like I find that men, especially, even if it's bad, they, men just are naturally like, I don't know. There's like that little narcissism there. That's like, oh, she's talking about me though. You know? So they're just like, <laughs> they don't care. I find that guys want that. The only thing that maybe I had to be a little bit more delicate with was like when I first started it was like just a few years after my mom had passed away in kind of like a traumatic mm. way. And it was a confusing time. And I was doing a lot of like material about that. And mm. it was like doing well. Like the jokes were dark, but they were definitely doing well. And my family like loved it. Like my my immediate family. my Because it was like so cathartic for us to be able to like finally talk about things and like, you know, have like some freedom to be like, yeah, like we don't have to be ashamed of this. And my family, like, my sister and my dad both really did not judge me at all for that. And they just loved it. And let, let me do anything. But maybe some of my extended family members were like, oh, she's being a bit hard on her mom. <laughs> like, mm. And it does come down to the fact where it's like, I'm sorry, but it, it is my story to tell. So that was kind of a big thing for me where it was like maybe hearing of the whispers in, in the family. And it's like, I just have to remind myself that this is my story. And this is... Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I've had people come up to me after the show and be like, wow, like, you know, I had a parent with a drug issue and hearing your jokes like made me feel like I could laugh at it or whatever. You know, like I, I, I've i had people say things like that to me that I'm like, like none of it is so like egregiously dark by any means, but it's just, yeah. But I would never, I don't, I don't think I crossed the line too much in, you know, naming names or really, I think maybe a, I've done a couple open mic jokes about like ex-boyfriends that probably didn't need to be said out loud, but I don't know what mics are for. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, I guess, too. Like if the person you're dating is in the audience and the audience knows, or like you're, you're dating a comedian and they come on after, or like those kind of things for sure. But you're right. I mean, I guess it's less so with friends and more so maybe with like somebody that everybody's going to know, like my partner, if you're in a monogamous relationship or like my dad, my mom, whoever it is, but Mm -hmm. you're right. This comes back to the whole like celebrity thing at the beginning. I feel like is like, we need to allow nuances in stories also because what you're saying on stage, like there is space for that to be true. And also that it wasn't all bad. You're not saying that, but there's like, there's this Mm -hmm. weird, like there's space that you can love your mom and also talk about all the ways that Mm -hmm. it sucked for you. And like there, there needs to be space for all of it. And the idea that it has to be like all bad or all good is just like feeding into this thing of not letting humans being humans. Yeah. yeah, It's a tool that my mom used to get through things. Like she Mm -hmm. had a little bit of a dark humor. So it's like, I think it's it's show when you can laugh about things, it shows healing, right? That means that you're mm. healing. So for me, that was like, I mean, I never want to be one of those people that says that stand up is like therapy. I don't want to say that. That's not what it is, but um, <laughs> it's cathartic in a way for me. When I think back, <laughs> yeah. like you know, on those few years when I was doing those jokes, that was a way for me to in my healing journey or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and like going back to like laughing, being feeling like validation and people being there with you. If if you're you've literally said this, that like people laugh at things they resonate with. And so Mm -hmm. like, if you're sharing a part of what's, that was something that's hard for, that was hard for you to go through and people are laughing, there's some sort of like togetherness there of like, oh, you also get it. Or you find this funny, or this is ridiculous. Right. Or like, it's a, it's a way to not be alone and to have other people resonate with what you're saying. And you're like, great, I'm not the only one who thinks this. So It makes sense. I don't that it would be people cathartic. together. Sorry, yeah. I don't mean to cut you off. No. Sorry, I get, I get so excited. No. 
<laughs> no, like, please do. Yes, yes, please. It really does it just like bring people together. I remember. So in the pandemic, we were remember we were doing those Zoom shows, and I remember this girl I went uh, to university. I know. I hate to bring us back to that, but just for the sake of story. (laughs) No, please. (laughs) And this girl I knew from university hired me. I hadn't seen her at all, like, in 10 years. But she was like, I have, it's my birthday, my sister's birthday, and we want to hire a comedian to do, like, a Zoom show for, like, the family and everything. And I, I explained to her that I'm like, absolutely, here's my rates, you know. I'm not like a clean comic by any means, you know, like I kind of mm-hmm. mentioned, I always mention that and she was totally fine with it. And it's like the day of the gig, I'm looking at the the grid. It's like, what do we got? Like Aunt Judith and like all these like old oh, ass no. people. And it was like the one woman had like a baby on her hip and she's like, you see her like pacing the kitchen. I'm like, oh, geez, I did. I did. the, I did my act. I, uh, okay. it was a lot of nervous laughing and like shocked faces and then she said and I kind of was like I don't know how that went because it was like they were laughing but it was like I felt like "Uh uh-oh like what's happening was there like a recent death in the family or something like I'm like I don't know and then she sends me this message and she's like you know like we actually like grew up really religious and like oh no she was like we were like really sheltered like she has like eight siblings and her parents were like on the thing and she said that it actually brought the family together like she was like she said that because it was so like kind of taboo some of my material and uncomfortable she said that it kind of like broke the ice in a way for them like as a family to like stop being so like uptight or whatever and I was like, wow. Like, if that was true, I hope she wasn't just saying that to make me feel better. That could definitely be the case. Like, she could have definitely been like, the family was mortified. I don't know. But she didn't no, tell me let's that. let's celebrate the win. Let's <laughs> yeah. celebrate the win. Absolutely. Also, you need to up your rate because you just provided family therapy, like group therapy. I know, right? I think I'm a motivational speaker. Like, yeah, 100%. You should, you should put that on your website. <laughs> like, not just comedian, actor inspiration (laughs) true inspiration oh my god that's amazing wow and that like you oh I got a little I'm very sentimental but I like got a little chills thinking that is be okay is being a stand-up comedian what you pictured it to be like I'm I'm sure I don't know you but like I'm sure you did not imagine like oh I'm helping families talk about shit or like I'm doing a zoom performance or like I'm in LA and now I'm touring Canada like is being a stand-up comedian, what you pictured it to be. Not just the performance part, but, like, the day-to-day life or, like, lifestyle of being a stand-up comedian. I could have never imagined anything about what it would have been like to be a stand-up comic. Like, I have to mm. admit. Like, it's just, it really, like, a question I always get when I'm doing, like, interviews and stuff. It's like, oh, like, what was it when you were a kid that made you want to do stand-up? Or, like, who was your comedy influence as a kid? And I'm like, nothing. Like, I don't know. Like, I just, like, I never even thought of that as an option for me like I never even Mm. you know I knew it was a thing that like guys did like I don't know I was just like you know didn't Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. that that was uh nobody can prepare yourself for the lifestyle of a comic because it's just such a it is a lifestyle it means like late nights it means you know a lot of constant sadness and rejection it means like you know having to work your ass off all the time you know it's just I just yeah I never could have anticipated that it could really become a lifestyle I think for sure I never I thought it would be like oh something that you do and then you get recognized maybe and then become famous but it's like oh no this is like people are doing this for their entire lives and never becoming famous like this is Mm -hmm. you have to do this for the love you know and that's like Mm -hmm. definitely a big part of it 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you do you feel pressure in like regular conversations with people to be okay? I feel this sometimes. I don't do a lot of stand up. I did a bunch more improv and like a little bit of stand up. But I find if I ever tell people I do improv or even sometimes if I just say, yeah, I'm an actor, I feel this like pressure to be like on Mm -hmm. and I feel it at comedy bars. Like after shows, I feel comedians like in the, in the bar area after a set, like doing bits and it's, you can feel it different when people are like joking around because they're enjoying it or joking around because they're like still on stage in their head a little bit. Yeah. Like, do you feel pressure to always be funny and entertaining in like regular conversations because you're a comedian and people know you're a comedian? Yeah. I feel that pressure, whether or not I succumb to that pressure is another thing because I am somebody that can't really turn it on. Like I can turn it on on stage, like yesterday I was having kind of like a bad allergy day. The transit was late. I was mm. so pissed off and I'm able to get on stage and turn it on. But <laughs> yeah, after the show, I'm like, no, my, like my social battery is on the floor. I'm getting the hell yeah. out of here. Yeah. I sometimes feel that pressure because I know that a lot of the stuff in Canada is like made and written by like creators themselves mm-hmm. are like in the room, like, oh, this comedian is going to create something or whatever. And a lot of the time you have to, I feel that pressure from people of like, I don't even know how to say this, but it's like, I feel the pressure in the room and I can succumb to it all the time of needing to constantly prove yourself so that people think of you for things in an authentic yes. way. Like, yeah. and it's, I don't want that. I no. hate bidding after a comedy show. I just want to talk I want to walk away knowing something about you as a human and not necessarily about like your job and your role yeah. but that's really hard to find I I don't like the pressure of it I don't yeah. know I actually you know what is worse though is like when not when someone wants you to be on but when somebody thinks they have to be on because you're a comedian like that's something that I have a hard time uh, with like it's a lot oh, of like yeah. it's usually men but mm. <laughs> sorry but um <laughs> you know like <laughs> Sometimes it's like you're at the show and it's like the bartender at the show is like really trying to make you laugh. And you're just like, oh, my God, I can't like it's like I just yeah, like my social battery is not always up here just because I do comedy. Like for me, this is like work, yeah. too. Right. So some days I'm like, you know, it's a Friday show. My friends are on the show. It's like, woo, have so much fun. And then other days I'm like, no, it's a Tuesday. I got to wake up tomorrow. Like I'm in and out. This is not like a huge yeah networking event for me this is like you know, yeah 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 so I really was like <laughs> yeah I pick and choose I really you know I'm a Gemini rising and I feel like oh. I totally present myself in like two different ways so I think people might have different totally different experiences with me like they could be like oh yeah after the show she just snuck out and didn't want to talk to anyone or weird and then it's like other times it's like oh yeah she's fucking shooting the shit with everyone getting shot like you know it it just depends honestly on like so many factors Yeah. yeah I didn't even think of that of other people trying to like be on because you're a comedian what what do you when you're in that situation, like, what are you feeling they're trying to do? Are they trying to impress you? Are they trying to prove, like, they can also be funny with you? Like, what is going so. on? I think when it yeah. comes to the men, it's just kind of like a nervous tick or feeling like they have to, oh, she's a comedian. I better, she probably wants this, so I better keep up. Like, they think that maybe that's, like, how they have to act around me or something. And, mm. uh, and I mean, I'm not saying this is everyone. This is just, you know, you get the occasional yeah, yeah, yeah. guy, right? It's like... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think one time I was like dating this guy briefly and he, he came to a show with one of his friends who was like such a nice guy. And, but after the show, he was definitely like running all his like bits by me that you could tell that he over the years has been banking in his head because he thinks that he should do comedy. 
And it's like, the guy we're seeing after was like, yeah, I'm really sorry about that. I don't know. And I'm like, it's fine. It's (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's probably, maybe it's the people who want that, like, validation and attention that you get when you do stand up. And I'm saying this with zero judgment at all. Like, when you do Mm -hmm. comedy in general, like, including myself. But they haven't quite been able to go and do the open mic and so they're like okay yeah. cool here's here's a here's a moment for someone to like validate that i'm funny because i think i'm funny but it sounds Absolutely. exhausting for the other people involved but like yeah. i get it my heart goes out to that as well that's fair would yeah. when you're like picturing i'm just thinking of like this career thing of like oh yeah you might not have imagined that like that would have been included in the career of like people trying to you know get validation from you that they're also funny when you picture a comics career that you would want to like use as a blueprint for your career who do you think of is there a comic where you're like it doesn't even have to be a comic actually it can be like anyone working in the arts where you're like oh I want a career similar to theirs I want the balance they have or I want the stuff Mm -hmm. they're doing or whatever is there a comedian that like comes to mind for me one of my faves is Nikki Mm -hmm. Glaser she's just like she's one of those comics where everything she says I'm like I wish I wrote that oh my god I wish I wrote that (laughs) She's just so clever and like her roasting. Like, I love that she's just like the queen of roasting. I love that she's like mean. Like, she kind of like her comedy is like, you know, mean like that. And the fact that she's managed to like kind of create this like amazing career from stand up. Like, she does everything now. She's like the host of the F Boy Island, you know, like she's like, I don't know. She's just like doing a lot of things. She's like big, like she's like in Hollywood. She's, you know, she's on all the roasts and stuff like that. And I just, I love that when it's like when you think of a comic that's a woman, it's like she's definitely like a famous one that comes to mind. But she's also not somebody that's like can't go outside and live her life. You know, like I think yeah. she even made a joke where she's like people don't recognize her like without makeup. So she can just like walk around. And be like, you know, like I love yeah. that. I love that she can yeah. you can have like the money and that like uh, <laughs> you don't have to have like yeah. all this shit that comes with it, you know. Well, I mean, I'm sure she deals with a lot of shit, actually. But but the sweet spot somewhere in there. Yeah. She also, did you ever watch, um, I can't remember what it was called, but she had, maybe still has, um, the reality show where she, like, moved home with her parents. I think it was, like, similar during COVID. It was on I Hey You. Like, I the forgot first... about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, I've seen her stand-up for sure, and I think she is a great writer. And actually, when I was in, this was years ago, when I went over to L.A. to mix, to um, to mix, and then I was like, to meet, to hang out with, like, the most basic, to hang out with some friends. We went to Comedy Store, just for, like, a typical, like, let's go Thursday night at, like, 8 p.m. and stay till 2 a.m. and let's just see who shows up. Yeah. And she came, and she was, like, just so great, and she was trying out material, but it was really her reality show where I like grew to love her in a way like just she's so endearing and yeah and she's so funny in conversation like that's the thing like she really Mm -hmm. is just like she's such a like a comic I think she's like a comics comic like she really just is like somebody that's just like fearless in a way too which I really respect Mm -hmm. that it's like like I love like how when she does roast like she's edgy you know like she's definitely Mm -hmm. pushes the boundaries and I love that she is not afraid to do that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay well if you have a show that you want Rochelle to host Fuck yes. Boy Island. Fuck Girl Island. Hit I would love up, that. That's like, oh my gosh. Like, you know what my dream would be to host? Like, mm. I would Canada would do like Canadian Jeopardy and then I would be the host. Oh, That's my dream my because I, I do host trivia around town and it's like my favorite thing. And I would love to be like, I would love to be Alex Trebek. That's what I would love to be. 
Okay, well, we have to put it out there. We have to tell people. That's the whole thing also. That's if we're like <laughs> hiding it and apologizing. Yeah, this is amazing. I would love to host. I've been, I watch a lot of reality TV. I would Me love too. to host a reality TV. Oh, you do? Okay, fine. Oh my God, Housewives okay. in 2007. Like... Yes, I'm a super <sighs> fan. Bravo. Okay, bravo, bravo, bravo. Yeah. I am bravo. so with you. The fact that you said on Hey You, I was like, oh, she's a reality TV girl. Because oh, yeah. It wasn't hey You and yes. Scabroom Plus. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. I actually have gone over to like, for like Disney Plus a little bit now to be watching. I don't even know how to say them. Like the DeMillo sisters. Like I didn't even know them from TikTok. Oh. Charlie and Dixie, they like hit it big on TikTok for like dancing and then singing, I think. I had no idea who they were. I had I was up to date on all my reality shows. So I was like, well, let's do this. I well, needed now, something yeah. while I was working. I'll That's send it to you doing. after. It was, it was interesting. I mean, the housewives are definitely better or I'm just more engaged in the housewives oh, for yeah. sure. Housewives is what we call triple A reality. Okay, triple that is a. <laughs> top tier. Okay, that is like the NFL <laughs> for women on reality television. <laughs> yeah. Yes, literally, my friend and I when we will when we'll watch like reality, t mostly Real Housewives or like MTV's The Challenge or certain things, mm -hmm. we're like, this is how people talk about sports. Like yeah. this is it. Like trading Absolutely. players to the different. Anyway, yeah. So when people go from one franchise franchise to the other, and I'm like, what's going on here? Anyway, so yes, I'm so with you. I'm so with you. Okay, I want to talk to you. Coming back to Gemini Rising. Okay, when I found out that you loved astrology. I love astrology and know nothing about it. And I, I, I have said that. You do? Okay. I've said it so many times. I'm like, Amanda, fucking Google. Like, why? Yeah. Are, what are you waiting for? And I just keep waiting. But it feels like you... Okay. So you... know Why do you think people are so quick to shit on astrology? Because this is a thing. People just shit on it. Um, and yeah. I don't get it. People shit on it because it's something that women like. That's why they shit on it. But uh, no, they shit on it because it's like... People are just like, oh, what? The stars and the universe is... Like, I don't even know... It's not, I don't think it's something that I'm like, believe in to such a level, like not to like a level of devotion that someone would have to like Jesus Christ, our savior or whatever, right. you know, yeah, 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 <laughs> I don't yeah. Yeah, 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 feel yeah, yeah. like that. I just think that there is an element that I'm like, why has this idea of astrology been around for like thousands and thousands of years? And it's just mm. like, there are, I think that obviously it's like the idea of nature versus nurture, right? So it's like, of course, at the end of the day, your experiences are really what shape who you are. But I do think that there is like a predisposition mm. based on the signs because I'm not like one of those people that's like super into it, read books. I have a friend that is, and mm. all my information is basically just like regurgitated from her. So you need to get a friend like that. You need to get one of okay, these yes, like I do. really I do. witchy girls that has like a tarot deck yeah. and then just memorize everything that she says. That's what I do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I love that. I love that. Yeah. It feels like to me kind of like a piece of magic that is, isn't hurting anybody. No, it's like, not hurting anyone. It's, so, it's, yeah. It's, it's almost like I feel like I'm doing research. I'm compiling research. Like, mm. if I start a new job, I'm like, what's your sign? What's your sign? What's your sign? Anytime I meet somebody, I'm like, what's your sign? And I do start <laughs> to, like, yeah, I'm not, like, reading about astrology, but I'm doing field work, mm. okay? I'm out here, and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm noticing that I'm like, yeah, you fucking Libras cannot make a decision. Like, you cannot. 
oh my god in my head i'm like oh my god am i a libra like i'm like going through so you do find patterns okay so when you meet people yeah you're like what you're a leo or like what what?" or do you go on like the sun their moon their rising like which one is important to you see i can't i I think rising is interesting because i don't know all of them but rising is one of the ones that i know because rising is how you present yourself and or how other people the sign that other people would think you are Mm. and for me it's like oh my god it puts things into perspective for me because gemini is like all about the like dual personalities right it's almost like kind of like the jekyll and the hyde and i don't think i'm jekyll and hyde but i'm just saying that you know i do have like really introverted moments where some comedians might be like what she just sits in the corner and she's quiet and she's weird right and then other people Mm. be like what she's like we were oh dancing in the streets last night. Like, what are you talking about? You know, it's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you're like Gemini rising. Okay, what well, you can't blame yeah, me. Gemini I do rising. present yeah. that way, okay. even though I'm such a Scorpio. You know, so it's like <laughs> yeah. I I so when you said these Libras can't make a decision, so I'm a Libra rise. I like double oh, check before our conversation. So I'm an Aries Sun. Aquarius moon, Libra rising. Don't know what any of it uh-huh. means. Okay. However, from talking to people who bring this anytime anyone brings this up I'm like let's talk about it I know nothing about it let's do it so I have hardly anything to add to the conversation most times other than just like celebration and love but they told me that I'm a cuspy Aries because I'm born on the last day of being an Aries and also was supposed to be born three weeks later and be a Taurus and I was at a store the other day and met this like fabulous human being who basically was like you're a Taurus aren't you and I'm like oh my God, I think I was supposed to be. I think I am. So I don't know. I don't know where the allowance is in my sun, moon rising for that. But Well, that's where I think astrology gets a little muddy, where it's, Mm -mm. you know, that's why you do have to look at the whole chart. Like I have a friend, one of my best friends is a cancer. You would never know that she's a cancer. Like cancers Mm -hmm. are, are like, I don't know. They can be like, a little crate, a little kooky. And she's just like, so not like that. Like she's not like overly emotional. She's not like, you know, so sentimental about everything. She's just, you would never know. And she's a twin and her twin is like even less. And it's just like, that's so crazy. Why is that? And then you look at the chart and you're like, oh yeah. Cause there's all these other factors in the sky. Like, mm. like the sun sign, which is like the, your, your main Zodiac sign is only one aspect of it. Right. Mm. So for me, I happen to think I'm a textbook Scorpio, but you could be different. Like you could have had all these other things. So that's why it's hard to, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's a gray area there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So rising and you totally tell me if you don't know, cause I'm not trying, well, I am, I'm like, teach me. Okay. So rising is like how other people view you or how you present to the world. Mm-hmm. So there's your sun, your moon, your rising. Your sun is like the one that if you're looking up in J14 magazine or like Cosmopolitan, I went, I was going to go Cosmo girl. I'm like, I'm in my thirties. I went J14. We need, to, we need to dive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're looking in Cosmopolitan, that is the one you are typically looking at by your birthday is your sun. Yeah. Your rising is how other people view you. What's your moon? Do you know what your moon is? Oh my gosh. I know that my moon is Aquarius and I know okay. that the only reason I am normal is because <laughs> of my Aquarius moon. My Aquarius moon is doing a lot of heavy lifting. I'll tell you that much. For the Scorpio sun and the, yes. and the, and the, yes. and the um, Gemini rising. Got it. But okay. I, I don't know how to just, yeah, I don't, I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really talking out my ass right now, honestly. Don't t- listen no, to No, I'm parents, also but... putting you completely on the spot. I wonder. Maybe it's you know, your emotion. Maybe it's how you, oh, that could be it. Mm. Maybe there's like, it's like how you're emotional side is or something like that all i know is that oh, yeah that because the aquarius right. i always find that aquarius is based on my research are like yeah. very like wise and like 
level-headed. I'm jealous of Aquariuses. Like when someone tells me they're Aquarius, I'm like, damn, you're like the cool girl, you know? Because <laughs> Aquarius is actually the first sign. It's the oldest sign, I'm pretty sure. That's like the, the oh. original one. So so I think my sort of, because Scorpio and Gemini are the two evil signs, right? And I'm kind of, yeah, oh. yeah. Scorpio, oh Gemini's are the worst. I'm sorry. But. <laughs> so my my partner is a um, Gemini son, and I see it 0%. I can't – anytime I read about a Gemini, I see nothing in them with my partner. I'm like, I don't – maybe I should figure out what their moon and Yeah, well, that's are. good. Don't – you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it because <laughs> I went through a fate. I dated two Sicilian Geminis back-to-back, and I'm telling you, bad combo. They were the same. <laughs> The same a lot of passion okay yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, too much too, too much. much i just find that gemini men are like the thing with gemini's is that they are such great conversationalists that oh and they're charming oh my mm. god gemini's and like a gemini man i feel like it's like i could we just talk and we could talk and talk and talk and talk <laughs> and then they just have this other side to them that nobody sees that is just so like sadistic like <laughs> God, Can you tell so interesting. Yeah, yeah, and also I, I feel like everybody who is in a relationship or dating anybody is like figure like figuring out their birthday and like is my partner I know. fucking Gemini I think we could right have now. like a disclaimer come up, be like, sorry yeah. to the Gemini's. Yeah, 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 yeah. Liquid Courage podcast does not represent these views. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do not endorse anything said about Gemini's. No, that's so funny. I did look. So yeah, Moon is the one. I just like quickly looked it up, and it's like. That one is dependent on where the moon was on the day that you were born, mm-hmm. and it has more to do with your personality. So, yeah, like emotionally, like what you were saying, basically. Good. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know what we're talking about. Look You know what you're talking about. I thought it might be – I'm also an Aquarius moon, so, like, I don't know what that means, okay. but sisterhood somehow in cool there. Girls. <laughs> oh, my I've God. I've been waiting so many years for Rochelle to say that I'm also a cool girl. And it of course just you're a cool girl. Here. Thank you so much. I have it on recording now. I can play it back when I'm, like, in purgatory in my head. Um, I thought it could be fun to look up our horoscopes for the day to, like, end out our episode together. So Love that. Is there, other than your very, very knowledgeable friend, who I don't have on, like, phone a friend quickly right now. Right. I didn't I didn't plan that, and I'll do better next time. Um, is there, like, an astrology site that you like to go to? I ended up on Astro Style, which I'm pretty sure might not be super legit. Sorry, Astro Style, if you want to be a I sponsor. I, I think the one that I, I got my birth chart one is, like, Astrology Cafe. But, oh, um, okay. honestly, I don't think it matters like i think just whatever the first couple ones that pop up oh no let's do this okay here we go oh yeah oh cafe astrology wow okay main site let's go read our horoscopes okay fabulous so when you read your horoscope and it's a very personal thing everyone can choose do you like to read it by your sun which i think is what like most commonly people do or do you prefer by your moon or by your rising Oh, by sun. I didn't. Yeah, I don't. I never even right. thought to to check. It might be not a way to do it. I have no idea. So uh, there's going to be just, some witchy girl watching this right now, being like, "Oh my god, I am so offended." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you are my a culture. witchy girl watching or listening right now, and you're offended, I would love for you to come and correct me. And I would, yes. I will, I will. And you can invoice me for your services. Like, I would love to meet you. I'm really in need of like a witchy friend. As we I love witchy friends, even here. if I'm not buying it. Like, I met this one girl one time that was like reading my aura, and I was like, okay, yeah. I don't know if I'm buying that, but she's saying really nice things. <laughs> I feel really good. <laughs> 
<laughs> the only psychic I ever went to was um, a friend of mine and I went to um, Boston and then like Salem in October. Oh. And we were, and I was like, if I'm going to see a psychic, of course I need to go in Salem. So I saw, and I was so annoyed. My friend so sweetly sat on the ground and took a note so I wouldn't forget because I was stressed that I'd forget everything. So she came in and just, and she's like, but I'm not here. Like, I don't want to influence the energy. So I'm just going to sit on the floor in the corner and like take notes for you. And the, I don't know. The psychic was like, so sweet. it really is. Yeah. Cause you, wow. you couldn't, and I don't know if this is ever, but like we weren't allowed to like audio record or anything. And it was truly mm. just for my own memory, but I completely understand why not. So then my friend was like, it's fine. I'll sit on the floor and do this, which was very nice. But it, there was a lot of things I didn't want to remember. The main thing was just, she was like, you need to stop bugging your partner. We didn't live together at the time, like to move in with you or they're going to leave oh, you. And I'm like, God. okay, hold on. A mo-. I got so defensive. With oh, were subject. you doing that? Like, was that like, I mean a little, but also <laughs> like I, this is what it was. I felt like the psychic was painting me out in like a very like patriarchal like archetype that like I'm this needy girlfriend and I'm like no it's just gonna be convenient and also maybe I do want to live with my partner it's also okay to want I went into such defensive feminism which was very unnecessary I think looking back but I I didn't say it I just felt it I feel like that's that's probably a very either Aries Sun Aquarius Moon or um fucking Libra rising of me to be like I thought it and I didn't say it yeah oh my god (laughs) I didn't say anything. So are you still with that guy at all? Yes. And this is And you live apartment, together. And we live together. And he didn't leave. So take that psychic. Look at that. Sounds like she was a bit of a dud, maybe. <sighs> yeah. I'm like, come on. But you know what I'm wondering? Oh, no. Never mind. I was like, maybe she was reading my friend's energy. But my friend wasn't in a relationship at the time. So mm-hmm. maybe it was busy. It was Salem in October. Maybe it was someone else's residual energy. Whatever. <laughs> You're like, it's not me. It wasn't me. I'll tell you that much. It's not me. It wasn't me. I'm sure that's a very Aries thing to say, too. It wasn't me. Okay, so, uh, oh, yes, it does say for your horoscope, select your sun sign or ascendant sign. I don't know my ascendant Ascendant sign. Ascendant is rising. Ascendant is rising. Yeah. Okay. So, Rochelle, today, would you like me to read you your daily horoscope of your sun or of your ascendant? Okay. Okay. Well, because I haven't done it, let's do the ascendant one because I haven't. Okay. Fabulous. So, let's go to Gemini. Okay. Well, Gemini ascendant. I'm about to learn so much about you, and maybe it's fake. Like, who knows? But also Cafe Australia. Australia. I've had like half a white claw, but it is like the afternoon on a Sunday. Okay. I know. <laughs> Not Australia. Cafe Astrology. Okay. Here we go. Dun, dun, dun. I feel like on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Okay. Mercury moves into your work and health sector today, dear Gemini, where it will transit until, oh, middle of November. Ding, ding, ding. You hmm. have a big performance in middle of November. And it is talking about work. Okay. During this, like I'm telling you your schedule. Okay. During this cycle, you're likely to do some organizing of your life in little ways that get big results. Tidying up your daily routines and improving habits can do wonders for you in the period ahead. Still, you're more likely to see flaws and problems. Oh, purgatory. It's best to avoid straining yourself fixing things as a healthy work-life balance is important, but you should certainly take advantage of these powers of observation. You might focus on perfecting projects, handling chores, and updating skills. Analyzing work and health methods can be productive and worthwhile now. 
Work or chores? This is a lot of work and chores. Honestly, and I'm connecting with it though. Are you? Okay, yeah. fabulous. Okay, yeah. work or chores can keep you especially busy or involve extra attention to detail and precise communication. Today, you find it easier to fill in the blanks. Sorting out your thoughts and plans come more easily. Drawing up and talking about plans for work, long-term goals, your environment, and health can be particularly beneficial right now. Wow. So your creativity is good, your love is good, but your business is excellent. Wow. That is good. Yeah. I've, and the work-life balance thing is something that I've started to really uh, prioritize in the last couple months. Oh. So, and it has been busy with the album release. So the last couple of weeks have been really busy, but I feel like because I kind of had been prioritizing that more that now I'm like able to handle it and feel like, yeah. And I'm like, I live alone now and I'm really into oh. chores. <laughs> oh, wow. I love like cleaning and like... <laughs> Like, right when we hang up, I'm steam mopping my floor. So it's just like, yeah. it's funny. That's so why I did connect with that. Yeah. Wow. So it's real. Oh my God, it's great. real. It's real. Yeah. Okay. I'm choosing to read. I'm being a rebel, which is very much not me. And instead of reading My Sun, Moon, or Rising, I'm going to read Taurus, which is what I feel like I am, just oh, to see okay. how it goes. Okay. Mercury begins in transit of your partnership sector today. Oh, dear Taurus, where it will stay until mid-November. Okay. It's a fine time to pair up to study or exchange ideas. There can be good conversations and bonding as you share ideas, and it can be a good time for counseling and gathering beneficial information from others. Good communication skills can reverberate positivity to other areas of your life as well. You thrive on communicating with others in the weeks ahead, people seem to rev up your thinking processes, and even if you don't always take their advice, you can benefit from their feedback. You're more inclined to weigh the pros and cons, negotiate, and discuss matters. Today can be fruitful for collaboration and strengthening ties with a friend or group or clarifying goals in a relationship. You're interested in making things work and what's realistic. Negotiations not only turn out well, but they also bring you to better, clearer, more empowered place. Creativity, good. Love, fair. Sorry, partner. Business, Excellent. Well, God, I also, uh, as I was reading this, talk about like having thoughts in your head while you're speaking. As I'm reading this, I'm like, do I bring on a stranger to a podcast to listen to me fucking read two long paragraphs? Sorry for that, Rochelle. No, God. It's interesting because, you know, I feel like a theme in that little chunk mm. there is like mm -hmm. communication. And mm. I feel like being a podcast host, like that's like you're the ultimate communicator. Right? Oh, well, yeah. And like building, like when it was talking about collaboration and strengthening yeah. ties and I'm like, oh, well, I feel like I'm becoming friends with Rochelle today. So <laughs> I did that. Yeah, we did it. You're going to deep clean your apartment and I am getting to know you. So it's all real and I'm a Taurus and yeah. astrology is real and Absolutely. we all love it. And everybody check out your astrology or just like you can do your um your horoscope for like the day, the week, the month, yeah. or whatever. Or just have an open mind. Yeah, just have an open mind and allow it to like mm -hmm. inspire you. If you're like, no, that's not mm -hmm. the thing. I don't want to focus on business. I want to focus on love. Well, then it's a nice reminder to like get you yeah. to go in that direction. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No so, harm is going to come from it. No. Unlike religion. See, that's the thing. It's like I would like I, I fall into this more. I'm like, this is all about love and connection. It's so much better. Yeah. Oh, well, speaking of love and connection, it's been so nice loving on you and connecting with you today, Rochelle. This was really fun. I had a great time. I had a great time. And I'm not surprised because oh, sometimes when I say cool girl energy, I feel like people might think I'm talking about like Regina George from Mean Girls. You know what I mean? It's not that. <laughs> yeah. It's like I see cool girl energy as somebody who's like allowing themselves to be themselves and sit in that space and take up space as themselves. And I think that's something that sometimes I struggle with. So when I see it in other people, 
it it really draws me in because I feel like it helps me become more aligned in myself. So thanks wow. for well, happy to help. helping me out with that. Yeah. Send me the invoice in the mail, the therapy. Yeah. <laughs> Michelle is now a life coach also. Yeah, um, no, it's been so nice. And we didn't even get to fully, fully talk about it more as much as I wanted to. But I just wanted to say congratulations on your comedy special, Rochelle Thank Rochelle. You. I listened. So fun. So fantastic. Congratulations. It's such like... It, I hope that is something that you really are allowing yourself to celebrate. And if there's um, if there's a premiere party, let me know. I'll come tomorrow, three, three years. years from now. Yeah, <laughs> let me know in three years if you're having a party and I'll Absolutely. come and hang out. Okay, great. I'll buy you a White Claw. I'll buy you raspberry. So don't try it <laughs> yes. till yeah. then. Yeah, yeah, don't try it till then. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Liquid Courage podcast. If you like what you heard and you're looking to support the show, here's a few ways you can help. You can leave the show a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or you can follow the show on Instagram and TikTok at Liquid Courage Podcast, or, and best of all, you can tell a friend about the show. Tell a family member, tell a coworker, post about your favorite episode online, spread the word. That really is the best way to help support the show and help it grow. Did I just rhyme? Okay, until the next episode, cheers. <laughs>